Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Forest Arts, New Milton. Please welcome a man who vowed never to return to this venue again, then forgot which venue it was and only remembered when he got here. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Hello, New Milton. Lovely to you. It's great. It's great to be back. Um, <laughs> it's a lovely venue. I'm, I'm sure I've had a good gig here at some point. So, um, welcome. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Location Southampton to All Intents and Purposes podcast. Uh, but I was... Uh, to All Intents and Purposes. That's one word. Uh, I was talking, I was down at uh, Sammy Miller Motorcycle Museum earlier today, uh, and yeah, it's good, and uh, Sammy Miller uh, calls it Rahalastapa, so I don't know if, <laughs> don't know if that's going to catch on. I actually looked up some uh, reviews of uh, the Sammy Miller motor, because I sure love motorcycling, <laughs> so obviously I've been down there. I looked up some reviews, um, Suzanne Hesketh 
four, four years ago. I didn't go into the great motorbike museum, but just had a coffee and a scone and butter. Was directed to a table and found that it was covered with crumbs. Therefore, had to brush detritus away before sitting. The coffee was fine, but the scone was very hot as it had come directly out of the microwave. This meant it had completely lost its texture. Did it come directly from the deep freeze? When I left and commented... <laughs> when I left and commented to the young lady behind, that she told me that there had never been a complaint before... <laughs> That's Suzanne Hesketh, one star. One star for Sammy Miller. Uh, David Troll, I mean, you know, also gave a, a one star review. I'm not sure this is real. Closed when it said it would be open on a weekend. Not happy. 600 miles round trip. Um, <laughs> to which, uh, to which the, uh, Sammy, the Sammy Miller Museum responded saying, if, you know, the, the, the dates, are, it's worth ringing up if you're going to make a 600... 600- I think David Troll might be a troll. Anyway, it's lovely to be here in New York. I was, I was thinking, I re- when I got here, I do, I've done some, uh, some, some nice gigs here. And, uh, but the, the gig that I remember here most was in 2002. I think I must have been talking cock. Uh, and the next day, I was about to go on holiday to Barbados with my then girlfriend, uh, like literally the next day, at six o'clock the next morning. Uh, and we spent most of the time I was here with her on the phone and us arguing because she said she wasn't going to come. And she did come in the end. I wish she hadn't. Uh, And it's basically the the opening of uh, my book, Can I Have My Ball Back, Uh, available in the foyer after the show. You don't get a mention, but you can take up what happened. Uh, Basically, I went to Barbados. Uh, My girlfriend had just been proposed to by her ex-boyfriend while I was on the phone to her. Uh, she rang him from the hotel room. Then I went to the sea and got knocked over, and my testicle uh, expanded six times its normal size. <laughs> it was a great time. I don't think that's New Milton's fault exactly, but um, it maybe it's gone now. That's the t- it's gone. That's the one that's gone. Uh, was that the catalyst? It's twenty years later that it went. I don't think it's the same uh, problem. Um, uh, oh, and uh, I should say the... I mean, this is unbelievable. This is sort of almost like a parody. I looked up the the news in New Milton, uh, and the, <laughs> the, me- the top headline... I mean, there's some good possible news, but the top headline is fly-tipping fears over draconian New Forest wheelie bin fine. That is... Uh, that is I mean, that is like a parody local news story <laughs> headline. Uh, and well done for coming down live. And you're very lucky here in New Milton tonight because I'm trying to get my house ready in case we want to sell it and move. And I'm trying to get a lo- rid of a load of shit out of my garage. And you've all been given a free book as a result because I've got about 500 boxes of those in my garage. So thank you for helping me get rid of those. Plus a free programme as well. Um, if you're interested, you can. If you've got any cash on you, which is, I know is unlikely, uh, there's some purple buckets around. If you want to make a donation to Scope, uh, you can. But thank you for helping me out by uh, emptying some rubbish out of my garage. Uh, and so you don't need to give anything. Uh, right, look, we'll crack straight on with our fantastic guest tonight. She's probably best known for her three appearances on the Emily Atak show... Yeah, pretty good, huh? That's quite a good credit, actually, for that joke. Uh, <laughs> she didn't have any bad ones. Will you please welcome Ola Labib, ladies and gentlemen. Ola Labib. Ola Labib. And you Come on in. Ola Labib. I said I said Beep. I've checked it with you. And then no, no, that's off. fine. Labib, I get okay? Labib, Labib, But I'd like to get it right. And then I get the, the minute I think about it, 
I get it wrong. I checked with you. I'm so used to it getting wrong when, I, when it's right. I don't react to it. <laughs> okay, so fair enough. Lovely to see you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How well, are you? I'm good. You're, you're local, you know, to all intents and purposes. Do you know what? If I tell them where I'm from, they're not going to be impressed are they not? by calling me a local. <laughs> <laughs> Pompey, yeah, exactly. You got it, yeah. <laughs> Pompey! <laughs> where are you from? Southampton? <laughs> well, you're a fantastic advert for Southampton, sir. You're really... <laughs> He's the most eloquent man from Southampton. And there he is. Um, fantastic. P Portsmouth. Um, and now, look, I've, I've been catching up on your, your, your... I was hoping you'd wear an incredible jumper because I've seen you on two TV appearances wearing... It's like, too hot for those jumpers, jumpers, though. Oh. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Oh, OK, I was looking forward for that. But that... that is that your uh, is that your gimmick? Is that the way? No, to... I was actually going for a um, Southampton local vibe okay. today. <laughs> a tracksuit. It's good. <laughs> Adidas after dinner. I did a shit. Is that how I remember? <laughs> this is that how you? All day I dream about sex, or after dinner I did a shit. Those are the two. I used to do a routine about that. So uh, we were going luck. Like, probably did it here. Didn't go well. <laughs> I was telling you backstage, there was one gig I did. I think it was Someone Like Shogger, which was a challenging show, um, where the second half of that show was about 20 minutes long instead of an hour, because um, I went very fast. But I learned an important lesson that day, which was, A, don't come to New Milton to do comedy, <laughs> and two, you have to perform to the audience as if they're enjoying it. <laughs> you, have, you have to give them the, the proper show. So thank you for the lesson. Anyway, enough about me. Um, look, it's in, you, you know, Portsmouth, and you have come to comedy via being a pharmacist, that you're a pharmacist and turned to comedy. That's that is right. quite an unusual route. Um, I don't know if there's any pharmacists here today. Of course not. They're, Great. At home. They're off their tits at home, one on their free, <laughs> all their free drugs. They don't have to come to comedy. Did you go to comedy when you were a pharmacist? <laughs> I didn't need comedy. I had all the comedy there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a pharmacist before, um, and it was great. Yeah. So great that I changed careers. <laughs> <laughs> it's what, 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 what prompted you to make... Because quite... I mean, look, comedians come from all different backgrounds. They should do. They did in the old days, right? Like, and they, you'd go, in, the, in the 1990s, there'd be someone who worked on the docks, there'd be someone who was a lawyer, there'd, you know, there'd be all kinds of different people. Uh, and now it's a bit less like that because it's hard to make a make living. Make it into comedy as well, And make yeah. it in. So, you know, it's quite a sidestep from pharmacy. I don't, think, I don't think there are any other pharmacist comedians. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I think they're quite content <laughs> with their um, nine-to-fives and their income. But I don't know. I just... I, I don't think it was ever me. Like, I grew up in an immigrant background where we were either going to be doctors, pharmacists or engineers. My brother was a doctor, I was a pharmacist, and my other sibling was an engineer. Um... So uh, I always had a passion for writing. I always had a passion for comedy. So um, I never had the courage to do it. But um, once my dad got too old to care. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and you're a full-time comedian now. You've, you've actually you've left, yeah. you left the... Cause... I do still work sometimes. Okay. So um, post-COVID, there's a lot of staff shortages. And sure. I'm still quite close because I'm a clinical pharmacist. I know like a lot of people you know, don't care about the difference, but you've got your clinical pharmacist who works in a hospital, and then you've got the bastards who make you wait 45 minutes for one item. <laughs> um, so I'm the nice one. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm still quite close to the team. And whenever there's staff shortages, you know, if I'm free, they'll give me a call. They'll be like, oh, can you do a day or two? And I, yeah, I'll still pop in. Yeah. Try and keep my um, knowledge refreshed, trying to see what better drugs are out there for um, <laughs> medicinal purposes. Of course. I mean, I'd, I would I'd, I'd talk about this in the book, but I very much enjoyed getting a general anaesthetic. Uh, for when I had my test score removed. <laughs> it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Uh, if I had access to that stuff, <laughs> not the testicle, the general anaesthetic. Oh, the testicle was all right. I've made a few grand out of it. Um, it's funny you say that. My, brother, my brother's a doctor, yeah. and um, I went to um, get an abscess removed from my um, arse. Too much information. <laughs> um, but uh, So he was like, OK, uh, when you come out of the surgery, they're going to ask you your pain rating. Never give a rating less than six. <laughs> <laughs> so I came out of the operation and um, a little bit hazy. And they were like, oh, so um, are you in pain? I was like, mm. they were like, what's your pain rating? I was like, about a seven. <laughs> and they gave me 0 0.25 milligrams of right. fentanyl. Yeah. And I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> but it's great. It is good. It is good. So if I could, if I had access to that, also I just like the I like the idea. Is that why you got me on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thought you might have still uh, connections. If I could, you know, just if you could self. I mean, obviously this is what killed Michael Jackson. But if you could just <laughs> self. If you could just self-medicate, you could just say, you know, it's two weeks to my, my summer holiday. Let's just go to sleep for a bit. We, 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 you know, it would just be good. My wife wants me to go to the ballet. Yeah, I'll come to the ballet. <laughs> bit of morphine to wake me up. Lovely. Uh, anyway, I've never really been into taking drugs, so it was kind of nice to, you know, get them legally. It's good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> It's nice. Uh, your website, or your maybe your agent's website, says you're the first black Sudanese Muslim woman to perform at the O2 Arena. I hate that description. Uh, yeah. Because all that's left is, like, elephant. <laughs> or... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, like, the longest list ever. And I was like, just say Sudanese woman. I mean, Sudanese would surely do it. Su yeah, Sudanese it is the bit, right? Because the black women have performed at the... Yeah, because <laughs> other black women have, and it's, like, black, uh, Sudanese, uh, woman, Muslim, <laughs> size five and a half shoe. You know, it's, like, <laughs> the criteria is just never-ending, but they should have just stuck at Sudanese women. They should, but it's well, that's what was what was the gig for the O2 arena? Um, it, uh, so, Mo Gilligan does a uh, black British takeover, yeah. so he gets um, certain black comedians to perform. At the O2, and um, I was the good. one chosen to is, do it. Is it the big room? 15,000 people. Fucking hell. Yeah, I know. How was that? Um, I think, like, I, I always I cringed when I watched <laughs> it back because I think my adrenaline... Even though I'm in the medical field, I didn't know that adrenaline can make your eyes pop out. <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> when, when they watched it back on TV, my brother messaged me and he was like... I never knew you had a thyroid problem. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really difficult uh, room to... I mean, you know, the new Milton Forest Arts is a very difficult room to play. <laughs> it's a very, very, very difficult room to play. To be honest, to play. I, I was here last month, <laughs> and um, when I got messaged by uh, my agent saying, oh, Richard Herring wants you on the podcast, I was like, yes, yes, yes! <laughs> and it's like, new Milton, I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's your fault, don't yeah, you boo do you her? Know what I mean? Don't you boo her for saying you're bad? <laughs> yeah. um, you're not bad. It's, well, it's, sometimes it's hard to play. It's a, it's a little nice tinsy room, and it's sometimes hard to play that. But like, I imagine because I have never played more than uh, like two or three thousand people, and that's only at charity gigs. Charity <laughs> gigs. Don't laugh at me. Mate. <laughs> 
How many people have come to pay, would pay to see you? Do you? Yeah. I don't think I think you overestimated by three there. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, having been there and watched this, because some people are so far away from you, right? So is it? Are you able to manage the laughter? The thing is, you can't. You can't even see. And I think you know, you hear it. Like that first laugh, it was just like. Yeah. But um, can I be honest? I just wanted to get off. <laughs> like eventually, like you enjoy it and you just you take it like any other other gig. But um, no, it was it was quite bizarre. And do you know what? Because I'm such, I've always watched people on TV. There's big screens on either side of you, and as I'm performing, you can actually see me trying to watch myself <laughs> at the same time. And I just had to, I was like, you need to cut it out. And I was like, how do I look? How do I look? Um, but no, it's an interesting experience. It's an experience I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, so. of course. Well, you know, maybe you'll get to be there again. Maybe you'll do maybe. a whole show there. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I hope not. <laughs> not. Because I don't think it's the best place to do comedy. I mean, I, yeah. hope, I hope you'll do incredibly well. But I kind of, I saw, I, it, for me as an audience member, it feels a bit soulless in place. So when you go to see someone's tour show there, Oh, 100%. I, I love small rooms. I love intimate rooms. I love, like... My favourite part of comedy is talking to the audience. Like, I love it. Yeah. You can't talk to anyone at the O2. <laughs> number one, they won't hear you. And number two, 14,999 other people won't hear you either. Yeah. But, no, I do prefer intimate rooms. Um, and, yeah, there is absolutely nothing intimate about... Well, there might be some intimate things going on at the back, but um, <laughs> I'm not there to see it. Yeah, probably. For most probably. Um... Uh, well, I've, I've, there's some great, great stuff online uh, to give people an idea if they haven't seen Ola. Uh, there's some nice clips from uh, various shows you've done. Uh, and obviously it is, you, you're, you're talking about your, your background, which is, you know, I think it's nice to, to see that. And I've, I've seen you talking in an interview about how TV executives are trying to sort of push you down a sort of um, more risque route and want you to, you know... They don't want to hear the true experience of what yeah, it is to, yeah, be, yeah. to be you. So in your stand-up, you can give that, that true experience. Exactly. Like, I feel a lot of people that haven't heard about me come and watch my gigs, and by the end of it, you hear them muttering, oh, I was really hoping she was going to talk about terrorism. <laughs> and I was like, sorry to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> there's the news for that. Um, but, yeah, like, I think people come in um, expecting to hear certain things, you know, only yesterday I was talking to a... Um, oh, I shouldn't say. This is going to be aired in the future. Yeah. It's not going to be aired tomorrow, so they hear it tomorrow. They were like, yesterday, she was talking to me yesterday. <laughs> um, but, like, they were asking me, oh, well, you know, like, we're doing a um, show about um, young brides. And I was like, that's fantastic for you. And they were like, oh, do you want to take part? And I was like, well, I would if I was a bride at all. But they always, they, there's always these assumptions about us that, you know, that we have arranged marriages, that um, our favourite room in the house is the kitchen. Um, it is, to be honest. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie, it is. Um, but, like, people all have these kind of, like, stereotypes of us. And the reason, like, one of the big reasons I do comedy is to show people that whatever perception you have about Muslim women, 99% of the time it's not the case... And I just, from my experience being on TV, I feel like they push narratives that people already believe yeah. where I'm out here trying to smash those stereotypes. So it's, that's why I went on a rant. I was like <laughs> <laughs> DMing every single Guardian, the Sun. I was, 
Daily Mail, I was like, I need to do this interview. You need to hear about like how it actually is in the industry. And yeah. um, someone picked it up. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is that weird thing where people feel like, oh, anyone from minority, the TV people will be falling over themselves to, you know, to get representation, which I hope they are. Uh, but, but, but equally, that is sort of interesting that they're getting it wrong as well. I think a lot of people are getting it the wrong reason. I think if you feed into what they want, you'd get, like, a lot further in your career. So I think if I, you know, did a puppet show where I had, like, Bin Laden on my hand and I, like, started making out with him, I genuinely feel like I'd be in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I mean, it's basically what I do at night <laughs> on my Twitch channel, but it's... I tell you, it hasn't led to being on TV for, for me for some reason. It but, led to uh, being on a sex offender, maybe. <laughs> yeah, been a lot, been a lot of trouble uh, for me. But I, you know, I love the family stuff. I mean, you, you obviously were, you were born in, in Portsmouth, right? Is that yeah, Pompey born so, and so your parents have come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's that they'd prefer you were a terrorist here in New Mills. <laughs> I know, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh. but you know, I, I think what's what's interesting about your stuff, having taken a dive into it and the other work you've been doing, uh, you know, you, 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 you're raising awareness about Sudan. And I have to say, my awareness of Sudan is very poor. <laughs> I realised, I kind of thought, oh, I know about Sudan. And then for a while, for a while I know about Sudan. Then I realised I know about Syria. <laughs> and I don't know that much about Syria because I thought it was Sudan. So... <laughs> That was it, the same as me. I thought I knew a lot about Southampton, but I was actually reading about Scunthorpe. Right. Um... <laughs> There's definitely a cunt in Southampton. I can tell you that. So, <laughs> well, he's 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 not in Southampton tonight. He's not in Southampton <laughs> tonight. He's not in Southampton tonight. He's here. So, but yeah, that, so tell us because you, you've been doing you did a, a fantastic charity event. For, for yes, Sudan. a fundraiser. So, um, for those who haven't watched, um, there is a uh, war going on in Sudan. It's a proxy war. And um, so, um, the city had 10 million people in it, and now it's down to about a million and a half. So, everybody's displaced, refugees everywhere. And the issue is there's a war going in, in, on in Sudan, and um, they've closed all the borders. So, no countries now, or very difficult. Um, to get out yeah. and um, it's not just the war that's the issue um, because no one is able to get out no one is able to get in so a lot of people that are for example insulin dependent insulin can't get into Sudan so anyone who's um, insulin dependent they're all dying there's no medication um, at the moment unfortunately um, in the whole of Sudan so it's a population of 54 million people there's only six dialysis beds left okay. So, basically, anyone who's dependent on dialysis, you know, they're, yeah. they're basically saying their goodbyes. Um, uh, Anti-rejection medication, they can't get any more. And currently, the last we heard are blood thinners. So, people with AF, people with history of clots, people with um, embolisms, um, atrial fibrillation, all these kind of people who are dependent on these kind of medications aren't getting it. So, if the war isn't killing you... Lack of medication, lack of healthcare is um, killing you. So what a lot of people are doing, they're escaping to rural villages that have pharmacies but have very small supplies. So we did a fundraiser um, that 
uh, helped go towards a very small hospital um, in a village that I'm from. And uh, they built it, you call it a hospital, but when you look at it, it looks like a, it looks like literally a hut you see on a UNICEF advert. But um, with the funding, they bought a bed um, to do very minor surgeries. And last week, they did the first surgery where they did an emergency caesarean section on a woman and saved her twins. So, it's It's fantastic. It's interesting, though, how little we're aware of that. You know, like, we're aware of some other wars that are going on. Yeah. Uh, and we're not... And, you know, there's not much awareness in the UK about, about Sudan, right? It's because I don't think they're getting a lot of... The, they, they've, they're getting all the natural resources they yeah. need, but um, if they cut that off, you'll be hearing a lot about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Like, we're trying to raise awareness. We're trying to talk. And, you know, um, we're not living in a world now where people are dependent on, like, no local newspapers. You know, there's Twitter now. You know, there's social media. So, you know, word gets round a lot more. And I think a lot more people are aware. I can probably guarantee that probably 99% of this room knows what's going on in Sudan. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, um, I, th I think people are being supportive. We sold out. Um, yeah. People made great donations. And um, I'm planning to keep doing fundraisers to raise money for what's going on there. Brilliant. That's, no, it's really, really good. Um, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, your husband, <laughs> but I was interested <laughs> to see you basically stalked your husband. I thought that was quite... An... Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect... What's the word? Segway. Not even a segue, like really war husband. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's that yes, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my husband, my husband, um uh in 2014, I went to a um I don't want anyone to think I'm clinically insane in this room though. Yeah, I don't they're gonna think that after this story as well. <laughs> 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 um that makes me gangster. Um <laughs> the good kind, the good kind. Yeah. Uh, um not the blue army kind. Um in, yeah, in 2014, I went to a film festival in Hackney and uh, there was an independent um, movie uh, that someone starred in, this African-American rapper. So he was a rapper and an actor. And, like, I instantly became very obsessed with him. Um, he was African-American. I was, like, never going to see him in my life. And so I started stalking him uh, on social media, on social media. <laughs> and uh, in 2016, <laughs> he released... A post on Instagram and said that I'm going to Sudan for a TED Talks because he does TED Talks as well. So I replied on that image and I was like, oh my God, I'm from Sudan too. And a few days later, he liked the comment. Right. So I assumed that meant he liked me too. <laughs> so I booked a ticket to Sudan. Wow. And I booked a ticket to that VIP event. And um, because even then, Sudan wasn't that safe. So I convinced my, my family go every year, but I convinced them to go like a month early. And I was like, oh, but the weather's so good now and there's so much going on. So I ended up paying for them all to go to Sudan <laughs> just so I can go to this event. Um, so I was getting ready one day and my dad was like, where do you think you're going? He doesn't actually have that accent. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> he sounds exactly like me. But for entertainment purposes, where do you think you're going? And I was like, oh, Dad, I'm going to um, an event and this and that. And he was like, Sudan isn't safe. You need to take your brother with you. My brother's eight years old. <laughs> and he's a cunt. Um, 
and say, so I was going to this, I was going to, I was going to this like TED Talks. Everyone there were like adults, and I had this eight-year-old shit with me. So um, I paid like an extra thirty to forty dollars to get backstage passes. And when I got backstage, um, I was speaking to the producers and this and that. And um, the amazing thing about he wasn't my husband at the time. He really encouraged, like, income going to the country he performs at. So he hired Sudanese producers, Sudanese directors, Sudanese venue, everything like that. So when the producer was talking to me, he was like, oh, your accent, you're, you're not from here. And I was like, yes, I'm from, I'm from England, yes, I'm from England. And he's like, oh, what do you do? At that point, I wasn't a comedian, but I knew I wanted to do comedy. And I was like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. He was like, oh, that's amazing. I'm like, yes, I'm all over TV. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, I've, you know, I want to do some stuff. And I was like, yeah, I've got fantastic networks with the BBC and this and that. So I was proper, like, gassing myself up to the producer. And at this point, the rapper comes... Now, I've got this thing that if you ever fangirl or are obsessed with someone, never act like that. Always pretend like you have no idea who they are because it gains their interest more. So when he came, I was like, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Ola. What's your name? And he was like, oh, my name's Rami. I was like, oh, that's really nice to meet you. I feel like I know you from somewhere. <laughs> And he was like, oh, really? Oh, where do you think you know me from? And I was like, well, we couldn't have gone to the same school because you sound American. And he was like, yeah, I am American. And I was like, oh, that's... Well, I've never been to America. Have you ever been to the UK? So we're there exchanging, like, conversation. And I see my eight-year-old brother looking from him <laughs> to me, to him, to me. And then eventually he's like, what are you talking about? You're always kissing his pictures on Instagram. <laughs> So he was just like, Ugh. so I could see that he smiled behind his hand. Everybody else was laughing. It was like, so um, carried on talking to the producer for a while because he wandered off. And the producer was like, oh, we're going for dinner. Would you like to join us? And I was like, yeah, oh, my God, of course. But I had to bring my brother with me. Um, so we're having dinner. I was speaking to, like, different people. I kept trying to aim my conversation at Rami. It, I, I didn't think it went well, and I was really disappointed. And that night, I went home, and I was on the phone to my sister, and I was like, I'm really upset. It didn't work. And, you know, I was literally beating myself up for, the, for three days. So I tried to slide into his DMs. He didn't see it. And I was just like, I've literally spent £1,000 times six <laughs> to come to Sudan, $170 on an event, and I was like, I didn't see him. Now, I was really tempted to go to one of these, like, juju witch doctors to, like, put a spell, because they, they say that, don't they? They put a spell and they make you, like, fall in love with people. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I was this tempted. <laughs> and I was, funnily enough, I was talking to my sister about it, and as I'm having a conversation with my sister, I felt my phone buzz. Um, ended the conversation, I looked at a message, and it was a message from a number I didn't recognise, and I opened it, and it was like, hi, Ola, how are you? It was really nice to meet you the other day. I hope you don't mind. I took your number from the producer, and it was him. Wow. And I married him four years later. Wow. Wow. So stalking, the stalking works. That, is, does, that yeah. is the... That, that's pretty that much is, the moral of the story. That's, the, that's incredible. Does he... Have you, oh, you've clearly told him that... that the whole background to it now. I never did until I did one um, podcast for Black, Black in Cinema. And I, I don't even know why I was talking about it. <laughs> and I, I thought I knew it was being recorded, but it was put on Twitter. And my God, did it go viral? <laughs> and 
God, the comments. <laughs> Someone was like, she needs to be sectioned. <laughs> and um, some people were like, oh, I wish I had the balls to do that. In your case, one ball one to ball, do yeah, that. Um, uh, I wish I had this. And like, so I had positive and negative comments about it. Obviously, my husband heard about it and he already knew I was a bit peculiar. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, he laughs about it now. And whenever people ask, he will never respond. He'll be like, ask her how we met because my version <laughs> is completely different i mean it's you know it's very flattering if a woman spent six thousand pounds on me i'd do anything she wanted anything i mean i'm, I'm already <laughs> married but you know my wife's never spent six grand on me so i'm just telling you girls that's my price <laughs> I mean, it's on me, not otherwise. I'm not saying if you give me six thousand pounds, I'll have sex with you. You've got to spend it on something else. Then, then I'll have sex with you. No one's having sex with you, mate. So. There's no money. There's not enough money on the earth, on the planet Earth, for that to Fantastic uh, story. Uh, and I, I, I do love that you you bring your. I mean, you, you've said in interviews that your your dad, especially, and your brother, like, have have sort of introduce you to comedy but you but your family's very much involved in your routines especially your mum I suppose yeah so my mum's the only person who's not doesn't like that really? I do comedy okay. um I think maybe that's why I still do pharmacy shifts just so I can tell her yeah I'm still a pharmacist um but my dad my dad wasn't happy with it until I gave him um put down the first check in front of him and he was just kind of like you know at the end of the day it's your life and you know uh, um but no, my, my dad's really, really funny. And um, I always say, I hope the apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree. Um, like when people meet him after meeting me, they're like, yeah, yeah, I see where you get your sense of humor from. So he's intentionally funny. My mum is, my mum, <laughs> my mum's one of these people that thinks everything's the devil. Um, have you seen um, Waterboy with Adam Sandler? Oh, uh, I've seen all of Adam Sandler's work. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Waterboy, you know the, the mum, everything she doesn't like, she'll be like, she is the devil, that is the devil. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my mum, yeah. Yeah, that's, she's kind of that vibe. So she's unintentionally funny. Like, she will say something that is so... Like, I remember, um, you know, when that really lovely kid, what's his name, um, on America's Got Talent, he was blind and he's autistic and he plays the piano... And when he got that golden buzzer, we were all celebrating. I was crying. The audience were crying. And my mum was like, why is everybody so happy? Has he memorised the Quran?" And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> so you can kind of get the gist of her unique sense of humour. But that, I, I, I think that makes her funny. I do like dry sense of humour. I really like, like, dryness, curtness, like unintentionally funny so I, I th i'd like to think i've got the best of both worlds sure. and you still live next door to your mum yeah i do yeah wow. <laughs> How's I, that I, I think i think my silence says it all doesn't <laughs> it <laughs> do you think you're now you're earning some tv money you can move a bit further away next yeah I'm, I, genuinely i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i also you're bringing back the mother-in-law joke as well which is is that's that's been that's been gone from the British comedy scene for a while. Yeah, do you know what? Surprisingly, you know, I've, I'm, I'm born and bred in this country. I thought getting amazing grades will get the British on my side. I thought, you know, working for the NHS would get the British on my side. I thought fighting frontline during COVID 
would get the British on my side, but it seems like hating my mother-in-law <laughs> is what got the British on my side. Yeah. <laughs> you truly arrived. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome. welcome. <laughs> oh, he didn't realise. <laughs> I didn't realise that's how it was. Uh, yeah, there's a lovely routine where you say... Uh, you, you, well, there's a good routine about going to see her when, you, when the Covid's hit. But it's not what you're expecting. I don't want to ruin it. Go find it online and uh, go, I'm not going to make you do your material. It's <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Let me ask some emergency questions uh, to uh, get us out of get us out of this. Well, I won't ask you what's the most. The, the AI question I've been asking everyone that's been going very well has just been answered, which is what is the most ludicrous thing you've ever done in the name of love? So we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't need to ask you that one. Uh, I'll ask you well, one that I've made up first and then we'll see where we go. Um, uh, well, let's say if you could, um, if you could... If all the art galleries and museums in the world got together and said, Ola, we love your comedy and we want to give you something in return, you can have anything from any art gallery, any museum... You can even... The Motorcycle Museum in New Milton. <laughs> is what, would you, what would you like to take as a gift if you are... The um, hand soaps and the hand lotions in the toilet. <laughs> they are nice. They're actually so nice. And that's what I would do. Oh, do you know what I would take? I don't know if you saw recently, but there were some <laughs> activists who smeared red paint on a really old... Did any of you see that? Yeah, on the... I want that painting. You want the painting with the smear. With stuff the on? smear. Okay. I thought I think that would be pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, I think they cleaned it up. Oh, I don't want it anymore. But you then. can you could get the painting and then you could smear it yourself. Oh, I could re I could re smear it with something a little bit better. <laughs> you could. You never oh, that know. sounds awful. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could go into a chrysalis uh, like a caterpillar does and dissolve like a caterpillar does and come out as anything you wanted from the chrysalis, what would you emerge from the chrysalis as? That's a hard question. I would always wow, like to be a baboon. Okay. Yeah. I've, like, that, it, it, can that 
it, yeah, is that no, you can be anything you want. And, and like, you were so ready for that. <laughs> and that was like, great, finally I get to, oh. to let the world know about my wish to be a baboon. I don't have to think about this question um, for a second. That's what's good about the question. What, what is it about the baboon that you... Because um, baboons are like proper savage and they will literally, they're, they're merciless animals and I think people really underestimate them. And um, they hunt in packs and they love their family. Okay. <laughs> and they have fantastic asses. So, uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're another baboon, they have fantastic asses. <laughs> if you're a human being. Well, you know, this answered another, one of my many other emergency questions. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Emergency Questions book, that, you know, I mean, you've got this one for free, but this is the longer version. Will it be available from the shop after the show? Um, uh, have you ever seen a ghost? I'm interested to hear the answer to this question. I'm going to say you. I'm going to say you have seen a ghost. Let's see if I'm right. Have you heard a story or something? No, I just think, just judging from how crazy you are, I think you've seen. <laughs> I think you've seen a ghost. So I have a really. I, I said. I, I think I. I said it in a speak podcast. I thought that's maybe why oh, you're no, asking no, me. I'm, I'm this is a true story, though. I swear to God, this is a true story. So, like, um, I do believe that. Yeah, we're not the only creatures on Earth. I do believe that. I do believe that there's many frequencies in this world, and there are beings that live in frequencies that we can't see. So we believe in something similar called jinn, yep. which you translate to a spirit or whatever, and. Um, I was engaged previous before my husband and um, I went to Sudan and he took me and a few people to a place where they say it's like haunted with spirits. And when I got there, I just got this really horrible vibe and it was just like, I was like, let's just get out, let's just get out. Um, in Sudan, like if there's not space in the car, you get in the back of the truck, like they have like um, pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. So I was sat in the back of the pickup truck. That sounds so bizarre already. Um, <laughs> So I was sat in the back of the pickup truck with uh, one of my friends and one of my cousins. And I was like, I'm getting like a really, really eerie feeling. And as we're driving, I felt like I saw, well, I thought it was a tumbleweed. But it was really dark in colour. And I was like, did you see that? It just got underneath the, it just came from underneath the car. And they were like, no, we didn't see anything. I was like, did you not just see that massive bit of tumbleweed? And they were like, no, no, we didn't see no tumbleweed. So I thought that was really, really bizarre. Anyways, I went to sleep. And I dreamt like I relived, like detail to detail that exact same day. The only difference was that tumbleweed thing, whatever it was that I thought I saw, came into the back of the pickup truck. And I was like, oh, what's that? Get it out, get it out, get it out. And they were like, we can't see anything. And I swear to God, I relived that day exactly how it was, except that that tumbleweed whatever it was thing came into the truck not underneath it and I was like that's absolutely bizarre and it it was like the wind was blowing it blowing it blowing it all the way up to the apartment and I fell asleep that night and I had like a sleep terror yeah. where I just couldn't move I was frozen and I could see my um, my cousin was sleeping in the same room as me, and I was trying to shout out to her. But I don't know if anybody has had night terrors before. But you try and speak, but you you can't say anything. And in Sudan, they like play the um, azan, the calling for prayer out loud, so everybody can hear it. And I just remember that I can hear it, but it was being hazy, like I couldn't hear it for what it was. And I was like, oh my God, I'm getting punished for smoking weed two years ago. <laughs> God's punishing me for talking to that guy without telling my parents. So I genuinely thought like this was like, 
I'd done something bad and this tumbleweed thing was like a punishment. So I remember just like reciting Quran in my head slowly. So, and I see my cousin go to the toilet and come back. But eventually I'm just reciting, reciting, reciting. And I feel I start getting feeling in my feet, in my fingers. And I wake up and then I wake up my cousin and I'm like, oh, this is what happened. I was like, did you go to the toilet like early? She was like, yeah, I did. So I could see everything. Does that count as a ghost? Well, I mean, it's a fucking good story. <laughs> I mean, I love that sort of stuff. You know, ghost stories usually do revolve around someone being asleep, I have to say. Uh, but they genuinely, <laughs> they genuinely do, because that's what it is. But, like, loads of stuff that happens... I mean, I talked about this quite recently, but, you know, I, I, I saw... Like, my son came into the room, and I reached out to t touch him, and he was, like, completely see-through. And everything about it was real, apart from I couldn't touch him. And I was just... You know, I was... Didn't wake up, but then he was... Then he was but they do say that when you're asleep, in, uh, especially when you're in REM sleep, yeah. your soul floats on the surface of your body. So that's why you shouldn't wake somebody up when they're sleepwalking straight away because that, the soul has to zap back into the body. That's what they say. Yeah. So technically... You have to have a soul for that to work, though. So yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm OK with that. Oh. <laughs> Go on, technically, sorry. <laughs> I was going to make a Southampton comment, but I feel like okay. I've picked on him too much today. <laughs> I think it's all—it's all—it's all very interesting, and I mean, you know, I think that that I've had dreams like that where you're, what you know, like where you're waking up in, in, in the dream, and then you don't know what's, you know, you. It's so confusing because then you don't know. You might still be in that dream. This might be a part of it and you're about to wake up and go back to the beginning. It's like Groundhog Day, isn't it, what you experience Oh, there. God. I, I just wake up and I, my alarm goes off and it's like, you're due to come to Boots Pharmacy at 9 o'clock. God, that's a nightmare, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah, a nightmare. You never know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, so, you have, you know, you've been doing bits and pieces of TV and uh, I guess it was the... We mentioned the Emily Atak show. Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned that one. Yeah, well, one, I got though, it off IMDb. Been. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't watch Nor that. Nor have I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to watch that. Um, she's been a, she was a guest on the show before. She's a lovely, lovely young woman doing incredibly well. Um, is, is, there, is there more stuff in the, in the pipeline? You're obviously working on your own ideas, but maybe not getting yeah. anywhere with them. And I was on um, House of Games, Richard Osman's yeah. House of Games. Yeah, I saw week. you tweeting about that. Yes, yeah. I can't... You can't say it's how you did. No, but... I can say that I've got a new suitcase for when I go oh, on holiday. You've got, so you got the suitcase. The suitcase is the one. No, I bought a suitcase from Primark. <laughs> got nothing to do with the show. No, I, never, I didn't win the suitcase. I won everything else. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I was the opposite. <laughs> I didn't win anything else, yeah. But my worry with the suitcase would be, if someone sees it, if I saw one of those coming around the carousel, I'd absolutely nick that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're losing all your stuff because the suitcase is too good. Some suitcases now are so expensive, you kind of think, like, if I buy that suitcase, someone's just going to take the suitcase. That's like a thousand. You say that, like, um, so I live next door to uh, my mum. Um, I don't know if I told you about that yes. trauma in my life. Um, yes. uh, and, um, you know... I don't know why. I'll take it off her, but she was has a spare key. <laughs> so, you, you know, you could be doing anything as you were just, like, wondering, hello! Ooh! <laughs> I'll come back, shall I? <laughs> yes, mum, you can come back. Um, but she came in, she saw the suit, she saw the suitcase, and she was like, Oh, you've got too many suitcases. I'm like, it's not a none of your fucking business how many suitcases <laughs> I have. And she was like, Oh, I don't think you have space for it, get rid of it. And then my younger brother was like, Do you know do you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's involvement in your life, and then there's someone monitoring how many suitcases you have in your house. Um but 
I was, she was like, oh, just get rid of it. Or like, and then my brother was like, oh, that's a rich, that's a Richmond, a, um, Richard Osman suitcase. Uh, they, they can go for like 500 quid on eBay. Oh, yeah, my at least, God. at least. Is, is that actually true? I would have thought so. You know, people would pay a lot of money for that stuff. I, I was going to, I was going to uh, eBay. I got the, um, <laughs> what is it? The cheap, what? Fondue set. I got the fondue set. Oh, I really had my but, eye on that one. But it the just, cheese fondue, right? Yeah. Oh, I had my eye on that. But it was just a fondue. It didn't have Richard Osman's. When they sent it to me, it didn't have Richard Osman's face on it. Oh. It was just a song. Like, to be honest, the first series, I was, I'm a champion of champion of House of Games. <laughs> just let you know. So the first time I was on, I won quite a few things. And then they, I got like two, I got the cup and something else through the post. And I said, where's the other things? And they, 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 I got the Richard Osman doll lost in the post. That the fondue set turned up, but it wasn't like the proper fondue set. So, and then, then it was all mysterious. But I got the cup. That's the main thing. Uh, so yeah. So I, there was. So then I, I had to. I got the Richard Osmond doll a second time. So well, I've won two Richard Osmond dolls. Well, I've only got one. And did you sell one of them? No. I, 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 Richard, I said I was going to put it on uh, on eBay, and Richard Osmond tweeted me said that is not the that is not the done thing. <laughs> I was going to do it for charity, I think. But Richard Osmond hates. Anyone else having money except him? <laughs> <laughs> he wants all the money. Uh, he seems very affable, doesn't he? But all he's doing is writing these books, knowing just all eventually all the money comes to him. Let me tell you, no tweet from Richard Osman will stop me selling that suitcase <laughs> for five hundred quid. I'm telling you right now. But people will, you know, people. And I've got like, a, I've got a Taskmaster trophy. Oh, we all know I've about that, a, Richard. I've got a champion of champions Taskmaster trophy, which is taking up a lot of room in my house. So if I'm moving, I'm going <laughs> to have to get rid of it. So yeah, I think those things could go for. I think people have sold the. Ta I think people have done charity things and sold the Taskmaster ones. But I think you're looking at thousands rather than five hundred. <gasps> I would say. I'd say. I, we could do an auction now. Okay, and, please, I bet these the people of New Milton. Got, people have spent. People have bought these fucking mugs for 150 quid. These. Do you know what? He just mugs. gave me one. I think yeah. I'm just making 650 <laughs> quid today. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. It's all going to be good. Um, I love. It. Do you, I mean, you got into House of Games uh, too late because Osman's. You're married and Osman's married, but he was using it as a dating service essentially. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm very upset that. I'm actually genuinely upset as well. Uh, I was on twice and he didn't. I didn't get a fucking sniff. <laughs> I hung around. <laughs> I hung around for ages after the first time drinking beer. I was the only one who hung around. Didn't, didn't even get a snog off him. Oh, do you know what? He's, he's, like, he's, he's, he's a handsome chap and he's he really tall. And Was yeah. I wearing my wedding ring on that day? <laughs> I don't think... I just I guess he wasn't into me. You just, just forgot. Um, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, really, really Something really nice will guy. come out. Something will come out. <laughs> he's too nice, isn't he? Something will come out. I hope it does. Oh, then my trophies won't be worth it. <laughs> Imagine if he comes out and I've got a trophy with his face on it. <laughs> People coming round. I've got a fucking suitcase with his face on it. I mean, it's more Greg Davis, more likely, to be fair. <laughs> um, more likely. They'd both be forgiven. Everyone loves them. <laughs> um, let's See, so I told you backstage sometimes that things can get a bit too giddy and we have to cut things out. <laughs> My, 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 pro my producer might have some problems. <laughs> problems oh, with that. Dear. Um, oh, sorry, I've got. Oh, I've got a real bad ear thing at the moment. And I've just the vibrations have just gone. So just give me a second. I've got, can you have you got any medicine for that? <laughs> I've got like a really blocked ear, but now it's just my ears just 
I don't like know if you're joking or not. Freak, so I'm not. I'm t- <laughs> just suddenly there was a frequency. It happened in the car today it's as well. Tinnitus. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. You got anything for that? Uh, heroin. Yeah, <laughs> could have some anaesthetic and have a general anaesthetic to get to get over that. Now, look, you've never drunk alcohol. This is what I'm quite interested in. There's a you, you do very funny <laughs> routines about you do a very funny routine about basically being abused by racially, I suppose, by people in the street. Yes. And so you you do a re- and you, but you make this a very funny routine. Yeah. But is it? I'm assuming it's a true. It's a true story. story. And do you know what? People who don't think it's a true story, I, I, I so weird. I was speaking to. I, I came here with one of my friends, Colin. He's Irish. Woo! That's got nothing to do with why I like him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was saying that like a lot of people don't believe me when I say that, and it was literally only two days ago that um, I went for a walk on the sea and I um, and I was walking home and there was... He was from Pompey. They are, they are trash, mate. I, I, do, I do agree. Like, some of the locals are proper trash. Um, and he was. He was telling me, like, I'll oh, go back to where you came from and all. Blah, blah. I really wanted to say, like, I don't mind racial abuse. I like I like new spontaneous. Like yeah. some someone said something to me, like com- like said something about like racial abuse me comparing me to a mongoose, and I was like, oh oh, can, can you say that again? I just I just need to write it. I just need to write it down. <laughs> um, but yeah, people don't believe me. But that time I recorded it. Right. I recorded him, and. Um, I was going to say I tried to hide his face, but I fucking didn't. I properly exposed him on socials. But it was, it, was, it was just a point to say that these things do still happen. Yeah. Um, but no, that alcohol story, that was 100% true. So there's a story where you're, you're, when you're younger, right? I was 12. Yeah, so... <laughs> year six. So I was going, year six going to year seven that um, a guy poured a can of cider over my head. Right. Yeah. So, look, this is, like, an incredibly traumatic thing to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you make light of it. So, you, I, mean, I mean, you know, I think it's a great way of dealing with it. And I think it also, because it's a horrible story, I don't think anyone's thinking, oh, she hasn't taken this seriously. But you make, you know, you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying, oh, you get to drink cider and there's no, you can't be... There's no law against... Yeah, licking about up, licking, licking it, yeah. And, it's, and I love that. I love, like, talking about my experience and watching everybody, like, looking absolutely horrified. And then, like, doing a punchline and everybody, like, laughs. Yeah. And I'm, like, laughing with them and stuff. But it's just kind of like, I want to make you laugh, but I genuinely want to show you what it's like looking like me growing up in this country. And um, I think there's a lot of um, stipulation about um, certain, like, ethnic groups or immigrants. And, look, we've got a racist in the room trying to distract from the topic right now. <laughs> uh, um, and it's just a story about having drink poured over them and then they knock their empty drink over. I, I, I think he knocks it over trying to grab it, be like, hey, I'm going to throw one over her. <laughs> Give it a bit of PTSD. <laughs> um, but no, and, 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 and that's what I like. I like people, like, actually listening. Like, that's why within my comedy, I always tell true, genuine stories of things that happened to me, but then I will lighten it up because it is a comedy show, but yeah. I want them to go home and be like, shit, th- th- that actually happened to her. Did that actually happen to her? So it's just like... It's just to give sometimes a rare insight. Like, a lot of people don't tend to come across Muslim women, like, on a day-to-day. And um, I've been told that, like, oh, I've never, like, met one or never heard the story of one. So um, I think it's really refreshing that the first time someone has had an interaction, not personal, but, like, seen or whatever, is through me. So, like, you know, just to get a bit of taste of what we're like. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I think that's. I think comedy is a great way to 
represent and, and show, you know, I think it is a great way to, you know, whichever direction it is and whatever your life is, and it does, you know, it, it can be all sorts of things. It can be mental health, it can be race, it can be disability, it can be whatever. Whatever's going on in your life, it's just because someone's got to sit and for 20 minutes and watch you talking. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's very hard to hold on to your prejudices, I think, if, if, if someone's up there... You know, showing that they're incorrect. Whereas in in the street, if if you un, unlucky enough to meet someone that crazy and horrible, yeah, um, you know that you, you can't get that across. But you're absolutely right. I think you know, obviously, there's uh, a lot, a big swathe of the British public who are there is, and and it's it's not just like I think I think a lot of people and I. I to, to a certain extent, I agree. They think that, like, um, you know, if you're from a certain community, that's all you talk about. But I think the parts that I've loved the most are the things that everybody has in common. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, like, my gender, my race, my religion. There are certain topics that you can talk about that anybody can laugh about. So, for example, mother-in-law, you know, you know the... Um, English men love mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> like, they love it. Um, so there's certain things that w we have in common, and that's what I love about comedy, that you connect or have things in common with people that you never... Like, when I tell my dating stories, everyone can be like, oh, my God, I've had one of those, regardless of their religion yeah. or their gender or their background. So it's not, like, my comedy is not just about me being a Sudanese Muslim woman, but it's just about... Everything like the other day, I did a gig about when I went. When I did, okay, this is really ridiculous. I'm going off on a tangent now. But when I did House of Games, um, I went back to the hotel, and you know they get they let us stay in the bougie top floor, the executive <laughs> suites, don't they, on the 16th floor? And um, I went into Not the. Me. What floor did you stay on? <laughs> Some rubbish. <laughs> Travel Lodge. No, I'm joking. There was a nice, it was a nice hotel. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> but, like, I stayed on the, the executive suites on the 16th floor, and I stayed on the 16th floor, and there was somebody else in the lift with me. There's a reason I'm telling you what floors these people are staying on. It's not because I'm a creep. Well, yeah, I guess I am, but... Um, uh, so, and he was on the fifth floor. So as the lift doors were closing, two men in suits barge in and open the door. One pressed the seventh floor and one pressed the 14th floor. The one who pressed the 14th floor, for absolutely no reason, turns to the rest of us and he was not do you know what this means? I've worked hard to stay on the 14th floor. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God. Yeah. Now, I'm like in my trackies, like, well, a bit like this. <laughs> and then he went, wait a minute. 16th floor, he turned to the guy in the smart suit and he was like, oh, you must be the CEO of the company. <laughs> and then the guy was like, no, I'm, I, I, I'm, um, I'm staying on the fifth floor. And he was like, well, who's staying on the 16th floor? <laughs> and I... <laughs> I've never felt so embarrassed <laughs> to be doing well. So I, I, I literally put my hand up and he looked, at me, he looked at me up and down and he goes, what do you do? And I was like, um, stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looked fucking livid. <laughs> he looked livid. But I did this joke in a middle-of-nowhere place to people that didn't know who I am. Because it's like funny. It, it, it doesn't matter what I look like, it, like. But there's certain things that people, people think that the only people that will laugh or go to see me are people that look like me. Mm. But actually, like, I'm very thankful. I have a very diverse audience, and it's... Um... Like me? Oh, no. <laughs> um... 
<laughs> I've got every black person in New Milton in this room. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean... I think, and what I like about your stuff as well, I and mean, this is something like a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of Christian comedians wouldn't do, or people raised in the Christian family, that you, you know, you talk about religion in, uh, you're not, and it's the exact same thing with the TV executives. You're not kind of dissing it, and you're not going, oh, but you know, I've moved away from that. You are, you know, you're properly a religious person. And yeah, you... yeah, I am, I yeah. am, um, and and it just goes to show that, like you know, these restrictions that people think that we have. But, you know, we're, like, we're a peaceful people. Well, you, I do punch some people in the face, but that's got nothing, <laughs> that, it's got nothing to do with my religion. It's the fact that I'm from Pompey. Um, um, but, no, yeah, it, it, I, I, I practice <laughs> as best as I can. Um, I try and stay on the straight and narrow. Does that mean you're going to edit the cunt out? <laughs> <laughs> You've said it again, though. I can't... <laughs> Can't can't take two out. That would be sexist. Um, so it's, it's fine. No, it's, you know, it is. It is it's, it, but, it, but it's exactly that thing you're talking about. It's about you know, it's about representing yourself, whoever you are, as a comedian. That's what I love about comedians is everyone is there and, you know, some comedians aren't telling the truth exactly or you're telling a story. As we, as we said, you tell a horrible story in a funny way to make a point but also to make people think about it. Uh, and, and, and comedy should have this should have this wide range of different people. And it did used to, and then it didn't for a good long time mm -hmm. again, I think, mm -hmm. that it was, you know, there was too many people similar to me, I would say, <laughs> uh, doing it. But then I was, I'm still, but there were too many laddie sort of white men doing it, you know. So it's, it's, it's terrific that things are changing. I think they, it does feel like, it's, it, you know, it's not changing that fast, but it does, it does feel... It does, and and, and I think I think what surprises a lot of people, you know, when I get asked, oh, who, what comedians do I watch? I can see the shock on their face where <laughs> the only comedians I name are white male comedians. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, I, I just find... I know and I get that it is about that and it is about representation, but um, I would say don't feel guilty about who you laugh at. Like, um, I... I I, I genuinely believe that as a comedian, your aim should be to make everybody laugh, not just like specific. Yeah, and and, it, and it's there to show other people a different way, you know, a different way of thinking or exactly. a different way of living. So, exactly. you know, you don't want to just perform to a load of people. If, you know, if I was just performing to a load of overweight men in their fifties <laughs> who worked in IT, I'd call that a cult. <laughs> Would be, I'd feel bad about it. But, you know, you get, you get, it's interesting to hear someone else's experience, whatever it is. You yeah, know. Exactly. And even if, you know, I'm, my life is very different to your life, and I'm not religious, but I'm still interested in hearing your, you know, and, and your conflict about it, whether, you know, is being a stand-up comedian, is that sort of, is that against your religion? I mean, there's nothing in the Quran no, I'm no. presuming about stand-up comedy being yeah, bad. In, yeah, as <laughs> a lot of people in here probably think, in the Quran it says you're not allowed a sense of humour. Um, um, but no, no, they're, 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 um, you know, some people, like, have certain views um, about certain things. But I think, no, it's fine. Um, if anything, um, I, I, I mention this in every single podcast and I don't know how it, like, viz into it but I the, the most the the thing that sticks to my mind the most is um in 2000 2020 actually just before covid um I did a show on um CBBC called the dog 
Ate My Homework. Yes, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. It's a kid show. And um, after it came out and, you know, it was on socials, I got a, um, I got a father actually um, slide into my DMs, not in that way, like just to, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but he said, um, I just want to say uh, we watched the episode that you are and it was fantastic. And I have an 11-year-old daughter who wore the hijab that um, got picked on a bit and she um, wants to take it off. But after she saw you on TV, she was like, oh, well, other people are going to see it and they're going to be like, oh, there is another one on TV. So seeing you, like, motivated her to be, like, proud of who she is. Mm -hmm. And even though that's something that's so minute that happened, like, what, three years ago, stuff like that is what keeps me going and, like, really makes me love what I do. Like, yeah. I, I enjoy what I do, yeah. but knowing that it has, like, oh, this is such a tender moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, make, it really does motivate me to keep going and doing Good. what I'm doing. Well, you're doing fantastically well, and you're, you're very, very funny, so that's, that's the main thing. Uh, and uh, this isn't an easy thing to do, and you've been, you've been like... Uh, Really good in this. So. Thank you. Um, and look, you're doing you, you're sort of working up a new show. Is it called uh, a Walking Hate Crime? Is that the new show? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And do you know what? It was um, I, the the way I came with that show when I first started doing comedy. Um, I would always say that I'll be like, yeah, I'm a Muslim. Yeah, I'm a woman. Yeah, I'm black. And um, I did a gig. Um, it was my regular in Manchester called The Apple and Ape. Okay. Um, Jason Cook runs it. Yes, you know. Jason, yeah. And uh, sometimes it's very quiet. A lot of the time it's quite quiet. And there was like a really drunk... I didn't even think he was paying attention. I, I, to be honest, I thought he was dead. Um, <laughs> and um, I did that set. And I was like, I'm a woman, I'm a Muslim, and I'm black. He went, you're a fucking walking ape crime. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, sir? That's going to be the title of my first show. And lo and behold, like Brilliant. four years later, it's the name of my show. Oh, well, that's good. That's fantastic. So we'll be looking out for that. You can find it online. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing around. a work in progress. Um, I'm doing it here, there and everywhere. So um, it's on my socials. You'll find it. Fantastic. Look, it's been so lovely to meet you and so lovely to talk to you. Ladies and gentlemen, amazing. Ola Labib. Thank you. Come back next week. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Ola Labib. Thank you to Scant Regard for providing the music. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of the crew at GoFasterStripe.com. Um, thank you to everyone at Forest Arts as well. Lovely to be back, despite everything that I claim to say. And thank you to Martin Wicks from the Leicester Square Theatre for organising all of these gigs. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>